and welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Holly Roberts, and welcome back to the second Sunday of Lent for the week of March 17th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast, and I'm excited to talk about some difficult issues and get to talk to you about, I think, one of the most interesting kind of recovery stories that we're still in the middle of currently. So stay tuned this week. I just am excited that we are in Lent and we are in this time of reflection and trying to contemplate what is going on. I don't know how you're doing with your different Lenten goals. I know for me, I think it's one of those things where it's so easy for us to work with them and struggle with them and even see the human element in them and how we are not perfect and we really wrestle with these things and showing that human side of us as we're going on to and dealing with this Lenten journey that I think is intriguing and I think it's important to think about as we're going through this. But before we get into this week's podcast, I wanted to reflect a little bit upon the question that we had last week, which is, where do you feel and know that you are part of creation and not separate from it? And where do you feel like we are actually taking care of this place? And I got an interesting response that I got from one listener this last week, and I think it's worth diving into a little bit before we get into this week's. And he was talking about how he would go out into the Boundary Waters Canoe area, so up in northern Minnesota, that has kind of this remote area that likely won't see a ton of people, that you are kind of just out within nature. And talking about how that experience kind of pushes him forward with even just picking up trash and different things of that nature, which I think is really interesting. But I think the one part of it that I was not expecting that surprised me is where do you feel like you're taking care of this place? And he took it to a different place. He talked about his former profession being a doctor and discussing how his care of patients was part of his care of creation. And I that's an interesting thought. And I hadn't really done a ton of thought when I was doing that on what does that even mean for us. But I think it's that humanitarian side that helps us see that we are still just a fleeting race, just like anything else. And that, yes, there's taking care of us, but it also inspires the care of other things around us. And so I was a very intriguing thought that came from a listener this last week, and I thought it was something worth passing on. So I hope that gives you some thought as we get into this week, because I think this week we kind of deal with the harder aspects of it. And I have to give my shout out and shameless plug to Working Preacher for helping me with this week's podcast. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use Working Preacher to help me between their commentaries, discussions, and just their seminary professors working on texts and being able to provide insights that I may have overlooked it helps me be able to bring you this podcast week after week. So I'd say if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. And again, if you have not checked out God Friended Me or Miracle Workers, one's on CBS being God Friended Me, the other's on TBS, I'd recommend them. The TBS Miracle Workers, it has a little bit of dark humor, a bit to it, but I think it's an interesting image of what God looks like and just thinking about what God does from a different perspective. 
And I think also God friended me, though it doesn't directly say it. I think it shows an interesting way of what does faith look like to the believer and non-believer in the 21st century. So I think it's time to get into this week's text. The text for this week starts with the gospel reading from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. This is an interesting text, and I think this has been a a weird week for me trying to figure out how to do this based off these texts. So starting with that the Pharisees are coming to Jesus and warning Jesus about Herod Iscariot, and he then says essentially that this is not going to stop him from doing his work. Even though that Herod is wants to kill him and is threatening to, he's not concerned he's going to continue to push through. And then continues on with talking about how Jerusalem, which was talked about in the podcast, which means a city of peace, has been this persecution ground and has often killed its own prophets there, which was under Roman rule at that point, so they were the only ones who could. And yet we know from being on this side of the cross and reading that this is exactly where Jesus is going. And blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. And if you look at the context and what a lot of what I'll be talking about this week, this does sound like a lament, a a cry of just frustration that is coming out of Jesus about what is going on. Very interesting text. The first reading this week is from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 12 and 17 and 18. And talk about frustration, we have Abram here with frustration. That, again, the Lord has promised all this to Abram, and he says, Right now my heir is Eliezer of Damascus, and that I have no offspring, and what are you going to do for me? And you then get this promise that the Lord and Abram make through a sacrifice of a three-year-old heifer, a female three-year-old goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon with the splitting in two and coming together, which there has been some interesting talking about how Jesus being the in-between between the two halves, but it's an interesting way of looking at it. But I think for me, as I'm reading at this time, is looking again at that lamenting, looking at that frustration and seeing how it's okay to be frustrated with God and that God is still listening and God is still working. But that's where I think this week, the psalm and the second reading are so important because I think they bring it back around. So you have this Psalm 27, the whole thing, which is all 14 verses, and that the Lord is there, that the Lord is the light of my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 1. And then continuing on and talking about seeking that and not hiding from that and trusting in that and leaning into that. This kind of continuation based off of what we are seeing in the first reading from Genesis, but also kind of looking at this is what you can hear and see Jesus talking about, that he's lamenting what is going on within the government at that time. Yet, he 
knows that if he continues to trust that he will get through this time and through this period and that he's continuing to do the work that Christ has told him to do, even though there might be obstacles and scary obstacles at that that sit in the way. The second reading is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. And it's not a very long reading, but again, it's seeing that Christ did not come into the world for us to have it easy. This is not supposed to be something easy. That we are continuing to figure out what this relationship with Christ looks like and that it's continuing to push us to move forward toward Christ, which might mean us going through some very difficult things. Because you are a Christian does not mean that things are going to be easy. And Paul lays that out nicely here. And again, I'd recommend if it's kind of weirdly worded, and I would possibly recommend even looking at different versions of this text to be able to really get some things out of it. Lamenting. What is lamenting? Lamenting to me is when we have that time, that frustration so much that you just have to get it out. You just have to talk to somebody. And a lot of times it's like a vent session to God. And it's a hard thing if you look at it purely from a human perspective to quantify for a science experiment. But yet, I think there are some examples that I have stumbled across this last week that I think show that. So, First, there was, and I'll attach the video down below, there's animal research behavior that has come out within the last couple years from UC Berkeley out in California, and having these squirrels learning that within this box that there's a tasty treat, and then the process of locking that box so it was no longer easy street to get in, and what did they do? And you can see the frustration, the twitches, these different things that way of this squirrel and very frustrated and trying new things and what, as they explain it, exploring the box in new ways. And how often are we in that same situation? I think with something that we look at within our own lives, that, that there are opportunities that we experience when you're younger in life that are no longer there when you get older, or vice versa. Experiences that we look to that we know we can't get to at this current time. It's frustrating, but sometimes we realize later what the gift was of us not being able to do that, and the gift of the frustration that helps lead us to this different place, to helps build upon it so that when we get to that spot, it's a point where we can really dive into that. But I think a better example this week is a comeback story that's still in the process of going through. And I'll attach the video from Eons on YouTube below talking about the California condor. And the California condor is one of the biggest birds in North America, having a wingspan of 10 feet or three meters wide. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And from the fossil record, this is a bird from a period of time that is long gone, where the possibility from the fossil record looking at that you had these big 
mammals around. So we had the bison, we had the mammoths, we had these big sloths, we had the big tooth cats. And from that, it was developed itself to be able to be this purely carrion or dead animal bird that it just ate these things. And based on just how much bigger it is than versus a eagle, for instance, or an osprey or a crow or a raven, it just needs these big animals to really chow down on. And thus, when we had these mass extinctions that you had these bigger animals suddenly start to disappear, the California condor got to the point where really where it was surviving well was California along the coast because you would have these animals that were not affected by this extinction nearly as much, thus being your water species, and that they would wash up on the coast of California, thus being able to provide for some of these bigger animals to be able to eat. But as California has been continued to be industrialized by human nature and encroaching onto their habitation and us trying to keep these clean, pristine beaches, it made it difficult for these birds to continue to be. Thus, getting to the point where, and again, I would recommend at least watching the documentary, getting to the point where there were less than 200 birds left, we brought all of them into captivity to be able to raise young and then slowly reintroduce, which they're in the process of doing now, and it's still under a thousand birds, but they have been starting to be semi-successful to the point where they have expanded into the Grand Canyon area and looking at some of the bigger animals there like elk or pronghorn or different things of that nature that possibly will pass away to be able to provide food for them. And if you think about it, I think it's an interesting way of thinking about this is that this bird that dominated a different era, a different time, a different period could easily lament the good old days when its range and fossil record has been seen from California to Florida, that it had this huge range. And now it's being at this point, pretty much just the Western United States, and it may or may not ever get to that point where it's able to really push further into the rest of the United States. It may never be able to do that. But understanding that what it's doing still has purpose, still has a mission, still has a reason to be in the ecosystem at this point. For me, I would much rather see whales being eaten by California condors, a large flock of condors, than us trying to figure out how the heck are we going to get rid of this thing before the stomach of a whale blows up because the gas is building up within the stomach. And again, I can attach a video of people working on those solutions. But I think it's we have to at times understand that times are changing and understand that process of just because it isn't as successful doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. But it also means it might be just readjusting to the situation that it's in currently. California condor, if I had to guess, will never be a bird that goes coast to coast again. But I do think there is a reason and a place for it at this current time to be able to use and help dispose of 
these big marine animals that we as humans, when they wash up, have difficult time figuring out what we're going to do with. So it still has a role. We have roles, and sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes it's sad, like watching the California condor reduce its population. But it doesn't mean that it's not worth it. How often we are quick to assume or quick to make judgments on different things of that nature and thinking that this is the way that things should be done or will be done to be in order to be productive to whatever our end goal is. If we look at the church broadly as a whole, we're going through major transformation as our culture and society, especially here in the United States, has changed dramatically over the last 50 to 75 years. And it's then figuring out for us as the church, what does that mean and how are we going to better fit our role within culture and society? I would argue it does not mean that we are abandoning the church by no means, but it might mean that we make some things that look different within the church while still keeping the things that we hold fast to that are important. That's where we're at currently. And it's a difficult place to be, but it's a good place to be. Because it's one of these moments that we can either roll over or we can do what Jesus did and continue to push forward toward where God is calling us to be, even if it's difficult. And how often it is so much easier to say we just don't want to do that. But that means that we're not doing the message and doing the things that God has called us to be and to do. And is that really the type of people we want to be? Is that really what we're called to do? In this time of Lent, as we are reflecting on and knowing that Jesus is getting closer to his own crucifixion being on this side of the cross, how often are we actually going into those dark places knowing that it's going to be difficult to do what we have to do? We then know if there's more of us going into it, the job does become easier. Jesus did this alone, but we don't have to. We have Jesus by our side as we continue to strive and move forward toward these goals, these different things, these dark places, these things that scare us. And yet, as we continue to strive, we hopefully find that we have brothers and sisters who are walking right alongside us into these times. The world in which we live right now and probably will continue to be a crazy place to live, but we need to continue to have the faith to walk through it. So, The Twitter question of the week is, what dark places do we need to continue to push forward through? If we have to lament, we lament. But what places do we need to continue to push into? And that word push, I use a little hesitantly because it also means that we need to be still considerate, still thinking of others, still thinking about what this means, but trying to figure out what is the evolution, what is the new place that we need to be. So to better phrase the question is where are the new places that we need to put our light? What are the new places that we need to put our light and explore? These are never easy questions. They're never fun things necessarily to really dive into. But I think it's also at this time of Lent a perfect time to consider these places and to really think about these places as we move forward with Lent. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.